Before listening to this episode any further, I just wanted to come on and give a quick disclaimer that today's subject is miscarriage. If you're currently in a season where hearing a conversation on this topic might be triggering, upsetting, or might not serve you well, that is no problem. We completely understand and we would suggest hitting pause or skipping to the next episode and maybe revisiting this subject at another time. Even though this subject can be difficult to talk about, I am very excited about today's episode because it's the first of hopefully many more to come with our community calls. This is going to be a new format of episode where we have two, three, or more women come on to connect and share their stories, encourage one another, and feel like we're a part of a true community, which is why this podcast was started in the first place. I just want it to be a safe place for us to all come together and talk openly and honestly about the experiences that we are going through or have gone through. So today I am talking with my friends, Laura and Megan, about our personal stories of miscarriage. My hope for this episode is that if you are someone listening who's experienced this personally, that you feel less alone and more understood. And if you are not someone who's experienced this personally, I just want to say thank you for listening. The opportunity to share these stories and make our experiences known feels very important to us. And if you're listening, that support means the world because hopefully it means that you'll have some better understanding on the subject as well and that you can feel more equipped when supporting loved ones in your life who may experience miscarriage. Thank you so much for being here and we'll just jump right into today's episode. Welcome to the Milestone Mama podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Hollis, wife, boy mom, and former fitness instructor turned photographer, educator, and birth doula. Becoming a mom in 2020 completely changed my life. And even though it was the greatest joy I've ever felt, it definitely came with some challenges that no one could have ever prepared me for. But I found so much healing and community, and that's why this podcast was born. Tune in each week as we uncover all of the nuances of being a mom from pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and everything in between. If you're ready to connect, to grow, to learn, to feel inspired, seen, and heard, then you've come to the right place. And I'm so glad you're here, Mama. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. So I'm Laura Abrams, and I live here in Wilmington. I grew up here and married my high school sweetheart, um, and we moved back here about a little after... 2016-ish. So I'm a teacher and I currently teach at a year-round school here and have two children. Uh, My son Oliver is six and my daughter Rowan is three. Getting into kind of my story with my miscarriage. um, So I mentioned I married my high school sweetheart and we got married in 2010 and um, enjoyed kind of our newlywed years together. And around 2014, we were not like necessarily saying we were going to start trying, but we just kind of ended up kind of spur of the moment, like finding out that we were pregnant. We had just come back from a vacation. We had been in Cabo and it was summer. I'm a teacher. So I was on summer break. And, um, I remember we had come to Wilmington to visit family and I was just feeling really weird. And I like had just broken out really bad on my face and just was finally like, maybe I should take a pregnancy test. I mean, I definitely like, I had no, no idea that that would even like have happened so quickly. Like, um, it was just a complete shock. We were just not really planning at that time. And so I did end up taking a pregnancy test by myself and saw a positive and I was flabbergasted. And I remember like rushing into my closet and writing my husband Kyle a letter, like telling him he was going to be a dad and leaving it out for him. And, um, I had like a little onesie that I had 
and saving and some little belly earbuds that I like, I guess I kind of knew, like I knew like one day when I do want to tell Kyle, he's really into music. I want to like have those little earbuds so the baby can listen. And I set it out on the bed and it was just like the most beautiful moment with him finding out and we both cried and it was just super exciting. And I remember walking around like feeling like I just had this big fun secret. We told our families right away, told friends kind of just like, Hey, like we're pregnant this early, like just, you know, keep us in prayer type thing. And, but yeah, just remember feeling so excited for probably those first six weeks. Um, maybe probably more like two or three, because we probably didn't find out till like week four or five. We were just on cloud nine. This was kind of around the start of the school year. So maybe like early September, I was started my first day of school and remember feeling like really bad cramping, like super painful, like, and you know, as a teacher, like first day of school, like you don't leave, but I did end up leaving and going to the OB and Kyle met me there. And I remember being really, really nervous and definitely like feeling like something is not right. And so we were kind of bracing for the worst and we went in and they did an ultrasound and we saw a beautiful baby with a heartbeat and we're just absolutely again like so happy and elated because everything looked great and we found out we were six weeks you know like I said healthy heartbeat everything looked good they said it was probably just kind of they didn't really know how to explain it but um you know, the cramping kind of stopped at that point and we kind of, we thought we were good to go. So I remember like we called family and had filled them in and, you know, but again, just feeling like, okay, everything, everything's good. Like seeing a heartbeat, like that was the best moment. So then about two weeks later, my husband's grandmother had passed away. So he had actually been up, um, like a week or two earlier to, like tell her kind of say his goodbyes and told her we were expecting. And that was kind of this like big special thing, like just knowing that like the last thing that he got to kind of moment with her was him telling her that she was going to be a great grandmother. Um, And so he, we were nervous about me driving all that way. And I think I had like a parent teacher, like night, like open house type thing. Um, It was a Tuesday And so he was driving with his mom and brother up to his grandmother's funeral. And I was supposed to fly out the next morning and meet them up there. And my mom had come up to, we were living in Durham at the time. My mom had come up with my grandmother from Wilmington and they were taking me to my like first official, like eight week appointment. Like we were really bummed that Kyle was going to miss it, but obviously, you know, for good reason. Um, And I was supposed to just kind of call him right after. So my grandmother actually ended up waiting in the car. My mom came in with me and we were all excited and go in the room and they do the ultrasound and it was just like silent. And the like tech just, you could just, I could just tell right away. My mom just said, what's wrong? And she said that it there was no heartbeat and that it looked like the baby had stopped growing probably about a week earlier. So we would have been eight weeks, but probably around seven weeks. And I just immediately started sobbing. You know, you think about this being one of like the worst moments and not even having Kyle there, knowing I was going to have to make that phone call to him. My mom, like knowing my grandmother was in the car, like expecting us to come out and just have this happy moment and um, I, it's such a blur, but like, they just remember them taking me into a room and the doctor came in and, you know, they give you the whole spiel about you didn't do anything. This happens to like one in four women, you know, just, I, I remember this nurse, just this, just hugging me and like wrapping me in her arms and it was awful. And I remember them kind of, you know, you're in this daze and confusion and They say like, here are your options. You know, you can take this medicine and try to pass it naturally and see if you kind of miscarry on your own. Like I was having no symptoms 
of anything. Like I would have never known anything was wrong. So the other, you can you know, take this medicine or you can do a DNC, but it, you know, you might want to try this medicine first. So I remember, you know, have, obviously we somehow made it out to the car and telling my grandmother and we were just all crying. It was awful. I had to call Kyle. That was probably one of the worst phone calls I've ever made. They immediately turned around. I feel like they were in Virginia, like probably four hours, three or four hours down the road already. Um, but they said they were going to turn around and we just went home. And I don't even, I mean, I, I, I feel like it was just the worst, you know, the, everything's just crumbling in the second. And I remember like, you know, I'm supposed to be flying out in the morning. We called and tried to cancel my flight and get a refund. I was supposed to have this big, you know, night at school, obviously that was not going to happen. And I'm just so grateful that I remember my teammates and my principal, like my principal called me at home and was just like, are you okay? Like, what do you need? And they just like reassured me that they would take care of everything at school for as long as I needed to be out, um, which was such a blessing because anyone that's a teacher knows that like being out, it's so hard to prepare sub plans and everything, especially if you're not planning it. And I remember Kyle getting home and coming upstairs and we just sobbed. It was awful. And, you know, we decided we were going to try to do that medicine. And I think we, you know, I don't even remember that night. I don't know if I slept or what, but we were just devastated. And I remember feeling like guilty or just wondering, you know, I had, when I had not known that I was pregnant, like I had had a lot of like some caffeine, like, was that, did I do something? Um, you know, you just always think like the worst, I think the next day we did go get that medication and had the worst experience ever with trying to like make it have the miscarriage, like actually happen. Um, I remember like shaking, throwing up, having the worst pain. Like I thought that I was going to end up in the ER. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And we ended up calling the doctor and just deciding to do like the DNC. And that was awful too. Like just go into a hospital, you know, knowing you're going to have to like be put to, you know, put under and do that for surgery and not for a good reason. Like you think you're going to the hospital, like, are you imagine? I remember we um, were just really in a deep hole for a while. Um, we had lots of friends and family support. And I feel like we kind of went up and down, like as far as who was struggling more. Like, I think that's something hard too, is like a lot of people were really checking in on me, but I knew that Kyle was struggling too. And we were really kind of grateful for people that also recognized that there was a lot of feelings on his side and pain there. Um, I was like one of the first of my friends to get pregnant. So I did not really have a lot of people to talk to about it, but I remember like looking at blog posts and just anything that I could find to like connect with someone um, or just connect to a story or just not feel alone. And I remember it taking a, a while to kind of heal and, and, you know, I remember just my best friend from college texting me like every day for a month just to check in. And that meant the world to me, like recognizing that that pain is not going to just go away after a couple of weeks. Like, I feel like that's kind of when the support usually drops off. And I remember us like going to figure eight Island for one weekend. It was kind of like fall winter. So kind of off season, um, it was just Kyle and me and just feeling like we were really needing to heal there. And, and that was kind of a big pivotal moment of like, we just, we've got to choose happiness right now. So then um, we had been told by our doctor, like you will need to wait, like at least till you get a period or maybe wait. I can't remember how long they said to wait, but again, we didn't necessarily like start trying, but um, we just were not, not trying doing anything to like prevent pregnancy. I think my cycle was also very weird after the miscarriage. Right around Thanksgiving, we were hoping that I might be pregnant. And I remember like on Thanksgiving, like taking a pregnancy test and like going to get some blood work done. And they were like, no, you're not. And I was so devastated. And just like, I remember telling my cousin at Thanksgiving, like, I just want to be pregnant by Christmas. 
You know, it was like once we had kind of gotten a taste of, of thinking about our family starting, like, you know, it just, that was like all we wanted. And so then though, like a couple, like a, maybe around December 8th, so maybe like a week or two later, I was like something like does this feel a little weird again? Like, I just probably want to check. And lo and behold, we ended up having another positive pregnancy test. And, you know, there's the excitement, but I feel like there's also that fear. And I feel like, honestly, that followed us through like both of my two pregnancies afterwards, just being scared at every turn, every appointment, every, everything. I mean, I remember just not even wanting to like, just really preparing, bracing myself. Like this is probably like, don't get your hopes up. Like we were just so cautious. We went to like a appointment in December and, you know, it was too early to see the heartbeat. They were, they were hoping we might be able to see it. We knew we wouldn't be able to hear it. And they were like, you know, we see, see the baby, everything looks good, but like, we're going to wait till, you know, January to like do the eight week appointment. And like, that's when you'll really know, like I would have been in there every day if I could have like just checking on things. And I remember that Christmas was so hard worrying, waiting, waiting for January, waiting to be able to have that appointment. We went in for that eight week having no hopes. And somehow there was a little heartbeat and we heard it and everything looked good. And we were obviously super happy, but terrified um, at every turn. Everything went well and we have our beautiful son, Oliver, our rainbow baby. You know, I think we waited, we told people right away because we just kind of said, you know what, even if this doesn't result in a miscarriage, like these are our people and we would want them to know anyway. Told them right away, like we're terrified. We have a positive pregnancy test. We saw a baby that Christmas my best friend from college calls and tells me that she was pregnant. And I remember feeling like obviously incredibly excited for her, but I also remember getting off the phone and saying like, she's pregnant and I'm pregnant. I've lost a baby. And like, Oh my gosh, what if one of us most, I mean, more so thinking like me, what if I lose the baby? And then I'm going to watch her go through that whole pregnancy, just knowing like, I mean, our due dates were, we might've even had the same due date or like two days apart. And so I just remember being super terrified too, of like something happening that, and just always having that reminder of what would have been, but we ended up having a very obviously successful pregnancy and having that friendship and that like her to go through that pregnancy with, and just to be able to check, like, does this feel normal? Did, are you experiencing this? Like, cause I just had so much fear and having her there to be like, yeah, I'm feeling that too. Or yes, that seems normal. Or, um, it just ended up being like such a blessing. And we found out it was a boy at the anatomy scan like that spring and had our baby in August. Um, it was an awful delivery and very traumatic there, but he came, he was healthy. I had a you know, blood transfusion and like just a lot of stuff following the delivery, but we were just so, so thankful to have him. And my best friend ended up delivering her baby. They're 30 minutes apart. She's in Seattle and we were in Durham. And I just feel like that was kind of like a meant to be thing um, for us to go through that together. I don't know. It was just a weird experience to kind of go through like a knowing like we would have had a baby that April. And then, I, I mean, I remember that April being very pregnant and the, our first baby's like due date coming up and we ate blueberries because that was like the size of, I guess the baby when we lost it. And we had planted a blueberry bush at my parents' house, something that just could always be there. Well, Laura, I love that you honored the baby in that way. I think that's adorable and such a sweet way to do that. And so unique and creative. I think it's so important to highlight that because not only is miscarriage, like not really talked about, but I feel like in, in, in terms of actually honoring and like memorializing the baby, that's even more of a taboo thing, I feel like. And 
it might not be the case for every single mom that goes through this, but I think it can be really healing to just recognize and, you know, put like some type of tangible thing into practice that might make you feel, I don't know, somewhat more peace about the situation. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like it was just one of those things where you're just like, this was such a big, special thing in my life and my husband, like our lives and like to think about it just being over and then like being done with. Um, I feel like we just were like grasping to like that need to like have something mean, like have something there. I don't know. It, and it, it is, it's, you know, I, I know that I'm kind of years out from that pain, but you know, we still have that blueberry bush and we took our kids there and picked blueberries from it. And, you know, I think it just is, it kind of just gives me like a little just sense of peace of like, kind of knowing that like, even though we've kind of moved, we've moved, moved on. Like I say that with air quotes, because you're always gonna, like, I always feel like I'm gonna have that little kind of hole in my heart. Um, but it is just nice to kind of know that like, we look at that now and we can kind of feel just some peace about it. And just, just knowing that there's something there to like honor that baby, that baby that made us parents. Yeah. I love that. We ended up doing a photo shoot for hours, which you may or may not have seen on Instagram. I contemplated if I wanted to do it or not. It was going to be our announcement session. And a really good friend of mine was going to be in town. She's a makeup artist and she had a appointment in Wilmington that day. She's usually in Raleigh. Originally she was like, oh, I'm going to be in town. I'd love to do your makeup for your announcement photos. If this date works for you. So we planned on that. And then of course, you know, that Monday was when we found out. And so in the meantime, my brother and sister-in-law had sent us this like really, really beautiful bouquet of flowers. And I was staring at them sitting on our kitchen table all week. And I was, and I just came to me, I was like, you know, this, I know this sounds like really corny and cliche, but like these flowers are kind of representative of life to me. And I think I just feel like this need to do something to honor the fact that this was a baby that we hoped and prayed for and were so excited about. And so I texted my friend and I was like, I know this is kind of weird, but how would you feel about still doing my makeup for me on Saturday? I want to still do a shoot and just use it instead of an announcement as a way to just recognize this baby. And we did. And it was like, it came out exactly how I pictured it, if not even better. And it was so crazy because literally as soon as we stopped shooting, I started miscarrying naturally. And it was like, it felt like this symbolic thing that we just did. And it was like, okay, we're ready for this now. But yeah, I think we should be normalizing the way of processing and grieving as, as an option for women that, that go through this. It doesn't have to be morbid, you know, it's, uh, it's honoring a life that once was the after is like this weird roller coaster of feeling like totally fine some days. And then other days feeling all of a sudden really sad about it. And to be completely honest, I felt more so numb these last few weeks to it. Just like I'm more ready to have my body back to normal and start moving on again. And I think the fact that I also have a son that's like distracting me and needing my love and attention has, I don't want to say like masked the grief, but I feel like because I have him in my life, I'm so appreciative of that. And like, I recognize him as so much more of a miracle now that it almost made me feel more okay with this happening. Cause I know that this is not the end of our story, but yeah, that's another thing that I want to talk about is like the emotional toll that it might or might not take on you. You know, like there's, there's been some days where I'm like, I feel fine. And I kind of feel guilty that all of a sudden I'm, I'm fine. It's not that that grief doesn't still live in me. I mean, just telling that story to you guys just now, I started tearing up again and realizing, oh, wow, like I am still 
grieving this and still emotional about it, but it's, there's, it's so nuanced. Like we can feel guilty about not feeling sorrow. We can feel guilty about feeling too much sorrow and not being there for those around us. So it's important to note that grief looks different for everybody and there's no right or wrong way. There's no timeline on it. There's no predicting or determining what it might look like. And it's okay to just ride with it, you know? My name's Megan. I'm, I have two children. I am a nurse. I was on Chelsea's labor nurse episode. And this is my story about my miscarriage. So it's been a year. It's actually a year tomorrow (laughs) was when I had it. I had found out like a week before really early because I can tell when I'm pregnant. I'm like, I feel pregnant. So I took a test a week before, found out I was pregnant told my husband and actually like told some friends and stuff just because I was so excited. It was, I was excited that our kids were going to be so close in age. They're going to be 20 months apart. So, and now that I worked at labor delivery, I just, I wanted to talk to people about that. And then from a year ago tomorrow, I like woke up in the morning and I was supposed to be going to work and I was bleeding, but it was more like spotting and I didn't spot it all in my first pregnancy. So I decided to stay home just cause I was so unsure about it and so upset and called the doctor to like call the nurse line and ask them if it was normal. And they were like, well, is it a lot? And I said, no. So they were like, well, keep an eye on it. And then, so I was home with my son and I felt like a little gush and then I had more bleeding. And so I called them back and they got me to come in to the doctors the next day. Um, I think this was like a Thursday. The night before I had told like all my friends from work because we had gone out to dinner and I felt really awkward having to text them all like two days later and tell them I wasn't pregnant anymore. So I went to the doctor and they said it was a chemical pregnancy. So basically it was the the sack, but there was no baby. So I basically, I bled for like a week. It was like a period, but a little heavier. And then I had my period again, like it was like late the next month, but it was not as heavy. So but um, that was the worst part because with my first pregnancy, I didn't really tell anyone until we were like 100% sure I'd gone to the doctor already at eight weeks and everything. So this one, I was like so excited. I didn't think, you know, you don't think it's going to happen to you, even though one in four women, it happens. So that was the worst part for me is having to tell everyone that it wasn't true anymore. So. I think that's an important note to highlight too, is that in cir- in some circumstances, that might be the most painful part. And in others, mm-hmm. for other women, they might feel really alone if no one had known yet. And then, and they're then sharing their story after and feeling like no one's really understanding. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's hard either way. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was someone who felt like, I would rather have some people know so that they're kind of with me in this and they're grieving with us as well. Um, don't get me wrong. I did feel weird having to go back and like say, Oh, actually, you know, this happened. I remember literally the day we went in for our appointment, one of my good friends had texted me asking me if I could help her with a wedding that weekend. And I was like, actually, I have a photo shoot plan. I'm pregnant. And you know, that's, we're going to have our announcement photos. And then literally later that day, um, she found out that we had miscarried or had lost the baby. And it does kind of feel a little icky, but I don't really regret having people know in there for us. So I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's another good thing to note is it's okay to feel either of those things, the whole, Oh, you have to wait till 12 weeks to tell people I think should be kind of squashed. Like, sure. Maybe if you want to wait till 12 weeks to tell your job or like something Mm. more, you know, non-personal that I totally understand or like tell the world, but there's no timeline on like 
there's no hard, fast rule to it, right? Like what you're telling women when you're saying, don't tell anybody until you're X amount pregnant, that's saying, well, if you miscarry, then they're going to have to take it back. Or like, we're not going to support you through that. (laughs) That's like, when you really think about it, that's what it's telling people, right? It's like, yeah, well, you don't want to have to take it back. Right. Or it's going to be weird having to tell people, or that means you're going to have to share what happened. And it's like, well, yeah, some people might want to share what happened and what they're grieving and going through. Right. Um, Some might not, and that's okay. But I think I know for me, the most healing part was hearing from other women who have walked this before, because yeah, you know, the people that care about you can tell you that they love you and they're thinking about you and they're praying for you, but it, it doesn't really land until you hear from the ones who have been there before. Like you said, Megan, I mean, you go through an experience once. I'm glad for you that you felt more confident the second time around because you, I think it could go both ways. You know, like I, I obviously had a similar situation where I already had a son too, but I remember thinking the minute I, found that second pregnancy test positive this is terrible to say but I the first thing that went through my head was like oh shoot I've already had one healthy pregnancy with no issues and now the odds are stacked against me because statistics say it's one in four so Mm -hmm. I felt like this time around I already had more of a chance if that makes sense it was like something in me kind of just new I guess definitely um like uh and then when I had when I got pregnant with her it was like the opposite like I wasn't confident at all I didn't want to tell anyone Mm -hmm. I didn't even tell one of my best friends until she was like why like she like guessed it because I usually would take my son to the doctor me and Matt would go with him to the doctor but they were only letting one parent go anyway and usually I was the one to go but I decided to stay home because I was nauseous from morning sickness. And so she called me and I was like, yeah, I'm in bed. Like Matt took Leo to the doctor and she was like, well, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, I just don't feel good. And she was just like, that's really weird. You usually like always take him to the doctor. You always do that. Like, are you pregnant? Like, because she was one of the first people I told the sec- the last time. And then I had to t- call and tell her. And I was like, yeah, but. I don't, I haven't gone to the doctor yet. I'm really nervous. I did have support, like, because my mom had gone through a miscarriage before she had me. So she was a great support system to lean on. She had had a miscarriage around nine weeks. And so she actually had to have a DNC, but she never really talked about it. I just knew because she had told me when I was pregnant with Leo, but she, like, I don't even think a bunch of people knew in our family. So it's like you said, a lot of people just don't talk about it. This past Father's Day, Jordan and I had this, a conversation about how we were just talking about like, okay, well, when, when do you think we'll start trying? You know, we weren't trying first time around, might take us a while this time. You know, we don't know how long it would have taken because we didn't try the first time. You know, Silas is almost going to be a year. We knew we wanted our babies close in age. And so we kind of made the decision that day to like kind of start trying nothing too serious yet. And literally two weeks later, we were pregnant. (laughs) And it was another just huge shock because I was like, holy crap, that was way... (laughs) way faster than we thought here we are thinking like all right let's just see what happens and give it some time that was father's day and july 8th we were in raleigh for a wedding that i was shooting and i knew that i was due for my period so i had you know like packed tampons and pads and stuff just in case and i didn't really have any symptom any crazy symptoms but i have this weird thing apparently when i'm pregnant where This sounds weird. Um, Tell me if you guys have had this before, but like, you know, when you have a fever 
and your mouth feels hot. Like you're like, you can feel the temperature in your body as hot. I don't know how to explain it, but like my mouth and like my tongue felt like I had a temperature. So I had that that week. And then I also (laughs) peeled Silas a banana and I'm looking around the kitchen, like, what the heck is that smell? And realized it was the banana that I was holding. And so I knew like something is, something's weird. That night we had gone to our friend's house and brought like sushi and wine, which is kind of hilarious and ironic. And I picked up a pregnancy test while we were there because I didn't have any like early response ones thinking like, okay, I'm only a day late. You know, I'm probably just overreacting, but in the off chance I am, I kind of want to just make sure I can like mentally prepare if I'm going to get my period during this shooting a long wedding day tomorrow, I'm going to kind of want to know. So we got back from our friend's house and we were staying with my parents at the time and Jordan had just gotten into bed and I took the test and immediately saw that second line show up and was just in complete shock. I was like shaking and right away, I just brought it straight out to him and handed him the test and my hands were shaking and he looks at it and he was like, wait, is that two lines? And I was like, yep. And he's like, already? (laughs) He had this like big smile on his face and we just like hugged and I was tearing up a little bit, but we were hysterically laughing. We were just like, we cannot believe here we go again. We FaceTimed with our friends we were just with, like our very best friends. And they were hysterical too. Like, I can't believe you guys just came over and we we're having sushi and wine and you just went home and found out you're pregnant. I was like, well, that was a good last meal, I guess, right? And uh, so the following morning, like we told my parents because we were already at the house and um, I went on to shoot that wedding day, which was really, really hard. Uh, one of the hottest wedding days I've ever shot in my life. You know, my brain was just like, holy crap, I'm pregnant again. And so um, the following weeks, I just kind of was preparing for what I felt like when I was pregnant with Silas, which was extremely exhausted, major food aversion and nausea, you know, all the typical first trimester things. While I did have some random waves of nausea I felt otherwise like completely normal I also with Silas had like extremely sore boobs and like all the typical signs and I would tell people like you know I don't know this kind of makes me nervous because I last time I felt all these different things and now like I don't really feel like I'm pregnant and everyone was just trying to reassure me like every pregnancy is different. Your pregnancy symptoms can be completely different from one to the other. Try not to freak out. So I really didn't. Um, like I said, I had made that promise to myself after living in so much anxiety with my last baby that I would just move forward in excitement and not fear. So I really tried to do that. We did share with family and a bunch of close friends and we're planning to announced probably around that same time we did with Silas, like 10 or 12 weeks. I had a few times, which made it really confusing and weird where like random mornings I would get so nauseous. I actually threw up. Like I, I was in the shower one morning and smelled my shampoo and like started dry heaving. Um, had a couple other episodes where I like ate a blueberry waffle and puked. And so I was like, okay, well that's a good sign. You know, I, I wasn't, nauseous enough to throw up with my last pregnancy like maybe it's a girl this time and I just started thinking all these you know these things and I was doing the thing where I'm sure many moms are guilty of this where you keep taking tests and you want to see that line get darker and I did and it kept getting darker and darker so I just thought everything was good and we had our first appointment the week or the Monday after Silas's first birthday and so we were so excited to have them so close in age and, you know, finally get to share with the rest of the world. And this baby would have been due in March, the day after my best friend was due with her baby and I'm a March baby. So we were just starting to think, oh, what if we share a birthday and this is going to be so cool. Our our babies are going to be 18 months apart, which also made me a little bit nervous, but (laughs) we were more excited. And the morning of that appointment, I can't even explain it. It was just like, I felt like God was preparing my heart for bad news. I just started playing in my mind, 
like what would happen if I went in and then told me I, there wasn't a baby or there wasn't a heartbeat. And I don't know why I, I had that, but I did. And the night before, this is really weird again, but I had this dream that I was nursing a baby. It was another boy and it wasn't Silas. And you know, when you have those dreams where like something just feels wrong and you, you can't pinpoint what it is. It was like that. It was like, I was nursing this baby, but like something was wrong. And it was just like this heaviness in the dream. And that's really all I remember about it. The morning of our appointment, our babysitter texted me that she was sick and she could no longer come babysit. So I start freaking out because I knew that I didn't want to be alone for this appointment because I went through every appointment just about alone through the pandemic last time. And I was like, I do not want to do that again. And God forbid I get bad news today. I'm, I need my husband with me. And so I was panicking and called my aunt who lives in town. She wasn't available. They're obviously not letting me bring babies to these appointments. And so I called my friend who was like 38 weeks pregnant at the time. And so I felt awful doing this, but I was like, I know she's already on her maternity leave. I know she has the availability. Let me just see if she happens to be willing to take Silas for me. And she's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like just come bring him by. I, I got it. Don't worry. Just go to the appointment. So I dropped Silas off at Catherine's house and went to the appointment. And while we're sitting in the waiting room, I just felt like I was going to puke. Like I just felt so nervous. And we went in and, um, ironically it was the same ultrasound tech from Silas too. And we went in there and they start the ultrasound and she's, you know, you know they're usually silent for a while. Sometimes even if there is a baby until they can get their bearings or whatever. So I didn't think anything of it at first, but then she asked me, have your periods been regular since having your baby? And I was like, yeah, they have, you know, they've been like 25, 26 days apart pretty regularly, at least since I started tracking. I didn't have a period for like seven months after my baby. So I only have like five months to go from. And she was like, okay. And immediately I just knew something's up. And so as she's scanning, she's just like, well, I see a, a sack here, but, and I guess there was like a fetal pole, but like no baby, no heartbeat immediately I was just like crushed because I knew I knew exactly when we got pregnant I've been tracking my cycles there's no way this was just like an early pregnancy and so in those moments I was just kind of numb I just kind of laid there like yep I, I knew it you know and as soon as she left the room I you know cleaned up and just sat next to Jordan and started sobbing and he was like what does that mean and I was like we lost this baby. We go into the follow-up doctor's appointment, which is really awkward. And turns out the PA that we were seeing accidentally walked into the wrong room first. So she walks in like, Hey guys, with this big smile on her face and then sees me sitting there crying and is like, I'm so sorry, this is the wrong room and walks out and goes to the next room. And I was just like, this is just comical at this point. So the nurse is, you know, asking me all these questions and they're just like, do you need a tissue? And I'm like crying through my mask. And then the doctor comes or the PA comes in and she's like, so, you know, not really what we were hoping for today, huh? And I'm just like, no, obviously not. <laughs> like, I get it. You know, medical professionals see this every day, but like we're, our world is just completely crushed. I just need a little bit more empathy right now, you know? She's like trying to explain to me these results and how, you know, it could just be, you know, you didn't have your period when you thought you did, or like you didn't conceive when you thought you did. And this is just a really early pregnancy, or this could in fact be a miscarriage and a pregnancy that started and then stopped. And I was like, no, you don't need to explain this to me. I know this is a miscarriage. I know exactly when I had my period, I took a test the day after I missed it and it was positive. So there's no way I'm only actually five weeks right now. I know that I'm supposed to be eight weeks over eight weeks. And so she was like, okay, well, I agree then if that's the case, and this is most likely what that is. However, um, we will need to wait, you know, another week in order to like officially make that call, I guess. And so she was like describing our 
our options for what that might look like. And she said, you could end up miscarrying on your own this week. Um, or, you know, next week when you come, we could do something like Cytotec and you can take that and cause uterine contractions at home, or it could be a DNC. Immediately, I was just devastated and trying to process what this was going to look like because I still am processing the trauma that I went through after Silas when I had retained placenta and ended up hemorrhaging really badly at home a few weeks later, passing out, having no blood pressure and having to get in an ambulance to go have an emergency DNC. So the thought of taking Cytotec at home scared the living daylights out of me. Um, And the idea of another DNC was just really somber as well. And so, but I I kind of would rather that because I knew that was like, I could just go under, everything would be out. There would be no questions, if, ands, or buts. And I could just kind of move on. Unfortunately, like that wasn't an option until that second ultrasound, I guess, to make sure since they hadn't seen me yet. So we said we'd follow up the following week. They told me what to look out for if I happened to miscarry on my own in the meantime. And that, you know, I could call and um, ask questions if I need to, or go into the ER if it got to a certain point. So we left and I just kind of sobbed on the way out in my husband's arms and um, then had to go pick up Silas from my friend's house. And I swear it was like, God knew exactly who I needed to go back to because Catherine experienced two miscarriages last year. And so no one knew that pain more than she did in my circle. And as soon as I opened the door to go get Silas, she just looked at me and, and knew and just held me as I cried. And just having her be the first one I saw after my husband was exactly what I needed because it was someone who knew the pain and just understood and I didn't have to say much, you know? And so, um, yeah, I brought him home and we ended up telling our family and our friends and sending them all the news. And, um, for the rest of the day, I just was having a really hard time taking care of my 11 month old because he is just so much joy. And like, while that was helping, I felt like it was just tearing me up inside that I couldn't give that back to him. He would smile at me and I just couldn't. And so I asked my husband if he could just take him for the rest of the night so that I could just go like get some fresh air and ended up driving to the beach, bringing like my Bible and my journal and just like sitting out there for a little while by myself just to process it. And I ended up writing a lot and worked through it all as much as I could. And ended up going home and, you know, Silas was already in bed so I could kind of rest for the rest of the night and um, ended up sharing my story online, which sounds kind of weird to some, but I don't know how to explain it. It just felt like if I didn't get some other help, I felt like I was just going to be swallowed by this grief. Like I had to get it out. And so I did and it felt a little scary and vulnerable, but when I tell you the outpouring of love and the amount of messages I received from other moms who had gone through this was like so, so amazing and so overwhelming. And it was exactly what I needed. It, it helped. It really helped. Like there's nothing that can take away the loss, but sharing it with others really made it feel like a lighter load. And that week, you know, our friends were really so sweet and family like sent us meals and flowers and, um, you know, just really sweet gestures. Friends sent me coffee and things like that. And just the amount of love that people gave us was everything. I, I feel like I'll never be able to say thank you enough to our, our tribe. Yeah. That's another thing that I want to touch on too, is the fact that like miscarriage and going through the process of it, it's, it's like another postpartum, but sadder, you know? And I think no one really talks about what the actual process looks like. You know, something my mom said to me, she was like, you know, I know you said people don't really talk about miscarriage, but I feel like it's a word that comes up a lot. And I said, yeah, it is miscarriage. I had a miscarriage. 
that's kind of the extent of it, at least from what I've seen. I'm like, what does it look like? How long does it take to stop bleeding? How long does it take for my body to start ovulating again? Like, what is it going to look like if I have a DNC? What is it going to look like if I miscarry at home? Will I need to take this medication again? Like I had so many questions and I felt like that was the part that no one really opens up about is the in-between. It's just like, I had a miscarriage and now I have another baby and yay. And that's wonderful. I pray everyone has their rainbows, but I think this is the stuff that women need more support in, which is why we're here tonight. But anyway, like I mentioned earlier, we ended up taking that photo shoot on Saturday evening and around uh, five o'clock as we were wrapping up, I started bleeding. And I guess I should mention the night before I started spotting just a little bit, but it was nothing crazy. We went out to dinner as a family and um, it kind of went away after that. So I was like, kind of mentally prepared for it to maybe start at some point. So Saturday evening, I started bleeding and pretty quickly it got, it got pretty heavy. We just decided we were going to get takeout and comfort food and we overdid it. We got like burgers and fries and mozzarella sticks and just like this ridiculous amount of food. And it was just like what we felt like we needed to get through what I knew we were about to endure. And so I just kind of stayed on the couch with water and a heating pad and I really wanted some wine, but uh, we didn't have any. (laughs) We tried to like Uber Eats it to the house, but I didn't feel comfortable with Jordan leaving me alone. I was terrified of that. So we're like, all right, I don't need the wine. Well, water will do tonight. Probably by like eight or nine, I started passing some really big clots and that was when I started to come undone because I sat down on the toilet in the same bathroom I collapsed in last year and felt this huge clot exit my body. And if you've ever felt what that feels like, it's, it's awful. I don't wish it on anybody. And it, while it was definitely way worse in after pregnancy, obviously there was a lot more in my uterus after nine months in a placenta, that feeling went, went straight to my trauma, you know, your body lives within your body. Your brain has this like chemical response to those types of triggers. And so uh, I kind of lost it after that. And Jordan just held me and calmed me down. Eventually I fell asleep and actually got a pretty decent night's sleep. And the next morning I woke up and was still dropping some pretty big clots and feeling pad pretty quickly. And so I I remember that the doctor told me if I miscarried on my own, it would probably be a heavy period for like two hours or so. And I thought to myself, okay, well, this has been way more than two hours. So I'm a little concerned, especially with my history of hemorrhage. Let me just call and and see because uh, I don't know. I don't want to take any chances. I'm very jaded after that experience. And so I did. And the, and the OB triage nurse was like, you know, I, I think you should go to the ER just to make sure that you have a, you have a history of hemorrhaging. And, um, if you're still passing clots like that, I think, I think you should just go and be checked and make sure. And as hesitant as it was, I was like, okay, if that's what you think, then better safe than sorry. So we had to drop our son off at another friend's house and went to the ER and sat there for over three hours without being seen, you know, like a nurse took my blood pressure and stuff and said I was fine. And then they had me wait close by in case anything happened. But after a while I was like, you know what? I don't feel safe here. Like, you know, waiting room full of people right now. I think we're not going to get seen for a while. It's very evident. And um, if we do, who knows how long it'll take to see a doctor if once they bring us back my bleeding, I just kept continuously going into the bathroom and checking in on things. And my bleeding had really subsided. And they had also told me, stop drinking water, stop drinking anything, don't eat anything in case you end up having to have an emergency DNC. And so I did. And then four or five hours later, I'm like deteriorating and so hungry and thirsty. So I was like, let's just, let's just go home. And so we did. And we're like, look, if it gets worse again, we'll we'll come back or we'll worst case scenario. We have an ambulance nearby. 
but it ended up being fine. I felt really, I felt like we were kind of rounding a corner and like things were starting to wrap up, I guess. And so I knew I had a follow-up appointment, um, that next Wednesday, that was a Sunday that we had gone into the ER. So I wasn't too worried about it. And actually the ER called me the next morning to check in on me and be like, Hey, you know, we're so sorry about the weight. I guess you got tired of it. And we just wanted to check in and see how you were doing, which I really appreciated. I know they're like crazy slammed right now. And they just told me, you know, follow up with your OB. So I went in on Wednesday and had another ultrasound blood work done. Everything looked cleared from my uterus. And that was great news. Cause that meant I didn't still need to have a DNC. They said, you know, we'll just continue to monitor, monitor this and make sure everything goes back to normal. And so I went back another week and a half after that, had more blood drawn. My HCG had gone from like 979 to 147, which was a great sign. So they knew this pregnancy was, had passed and it, you know, it's on its way back down to zero. And actually I go tomorrow morning for my final blood draw to make sure everything's good. I'm still testing a little bit faint, like ever so faint on a, on a pregnancy test. That's precisely what I wanted to talk about too on here is like that afterwards, because I think it's a really weird feeling to be in when you say I'm pregnant and now I'm not. And while I'm used to testing and hoping to see a positive now I'm testing hoping to see a negative so we can start over and it's just this weird place to be living in and I didn't know like what's normal like how long does it take to ovulate again and how long will it take for my HCG to go back down and they didn't really have any answers for me because they said that um you know it can be different for every woman I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, some things are not so black and white, but I need at least like something to go by here so I can feel good about what's going on in my body. But I've appreciated how thorough they've been and how supportive they've been since. I wasn't really thrilled with how it was responded to in the moment of just like empathy and the way that you're spoken to during. But since I've been a much, much more emotionally stable since then, going in, I felt like, okay, you know, I'm fine now. But I know so many women go through that, especially once you've gone through it multiple times where being in the same room can be triggering and seeing the same doctor can be triggering or hearing similar words. And I, I'd love to hear from you guys, I guess, what that, what that afterwards looked like and felt like for you so um the nurse practitioner that I saw when I went in to confirm that I had a miscarriage um she was actually the one that confirmed that I was pregnant the next time so having to see her again was really scary (laughs) I had told because when I went in to confirm the miscarriage um we had Leo with us. So Matt had to wait in the car with him. And so I had to go in by myself when they confirmed it, they took a urine test too. And it said that I wasn't pregnant anymore either. So, um, it wasn't like yours having to keep retesting, but, uh, she, she was nice, but I wasn't really a fan of her anyway. And then having to get an appointment with her to confirm my pregnancy the next time was just like, I like asked, I was like, is there anyone else? And they were like, no. And I was like, okay. So I just, it was good news this time, but (laughs) it was very nerve wracking. I ended up seeing her one other time during the pregnancy. I don't even remember when, like, it was a lot better, our conversation, everything. It made me feel better, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I just had, it's, it wasn't that she did anything wrong. It was more like just seeing her, like put a bad taste in my mouth. I was yeah, want to see her <laughs> sometimes. I mean, even if they handled it well and like made you feel supported, sometimes it's just the fact that that was the person who told you the news, you know, and that mm-hmm. in and of itself is enough of a reason to feel jaded, I guess, going in mm-hmm. for a second time around. And so I know lots of women who, you know, switch practices and stuff after that happens just so they don't have to worry about it but unfortunately here in Wilmington there's only like three so you, you can kind of cycle through those pretty quickly but yeah uh, it's something to it's something to talk about for sure and that it's normal and 
completely valid to make that known if you do have an option to see someone else or go somewhere else or at least just let them know how you're feeling about it you know yeah I ended up switching practices after mine because I remember similar to you Chelsea just feeling like the doctor that actually talked to me was just very clinical about I don't know I just I I felt there was a lack of empathy and my mom was with me and I, I remember us talking about that I remember the nurse being so loving but the actual doctor and I feel like they also did not prepare me for what to expect with like when I did take the medication and we had no idea and we just I remember after going through that you know, just experience of taking that medication and having that awful night. I mean, so scared. Like I just was like, they should have prepared me. They should have like told me what I would experience. They said nothing. And I mean, we were so scared. We like, we thought we were going to end up in the ER. Like it was awful. Um, and so I, I remember just feeling like I kind of have lost trust at this point. Like, you know, like you said, they're, they're seeing this all the time. And like, to me, I was just like a number, but like, mm-hmm. I felt like I needed more. Um, and so I did end up switching and had a much yeah. better experience and, and told my new doctor, like, this is what we kind of went through. And like, I felt like that was really helpful also that they kind of knew mm-hmm. what we needed. So let's just wrap up, I guess, like if you had just a little piece of advice for women, either like entering their preg- uh, pregnancy after loss or currently going through loss, whichever avenue you want to take, what words would you leave them with? I think for, for me, I would say, and I think you touched on this a little, just with, just don't like, if you do get pregnant, like after loss, when you do just and trying to enjoy it and, and not let that fear like over, like, I just, I felt like I lost out on so much excitement in my first pregnancy after my loss of just not being able to enjoy it. And then I just vowed like in my pregnancy with my second child, like, you know, this is an experience you only get like a handful of times if that like, and just, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Like me, like you said, yeah, it wouldn't have changed. Like I just try not to be so fearful, um, and really trying to, it is a happy time. And, and it, and it's okay. If you are like to whatever you feel, I feel like that's something too, that we have to like embrace, like whatever you feel is so, so okay. But if you can find the joy and find just knowing it, like it's a, you're not going to get those back. Like now that I'm like, I'm, I'm at that point in my life where I'm done having babies. Like I, wish I could have enjoyed that pregnancy after loss more because mm-hmm. I felt like I, I kind of robbed myself of that. Yeah. I would totally echo that Laura. And <laughs> like you said, it's important to note that like your emotion in the moment has zero effect on the outcome. So you might as well feel joy and excitement because the outcome is out of our hands, you know? So if there's one thing we can control it's that I was one of those that I was more excited like I was more excited my first pregnancy more excited about pregnancy than I was postpartum and then I would always say to my husband I'm more excited about postpartum than I am this pregnancy because I'm so nervous so um, I agree that trying to be excited take it one day at a time because I mean I was in a um a lost rainbow moms group on Facebook and basically like every day people would just post something about it would just help us get through we're just one day closer to meeting our babies but also like you're you're doing the best you can None, none of this is your fault I will leave on on this note that if you are currently going through loss or have recently gone through loss or even if it's been years since you've gone through your loss and you feel like you still have more to process, know that grief isn't black and white and it might look different for everybody. There's no timeline on it. But if you can take a step out to 
share your story. I promise it, it doesn't have to be publicly. It doesn't have to be with many people. It can be depending on your level of, you know, comfortability with it. But I promise you having someone to process this with, especially who have gone through this before you will make the load so much lighter. And if there is a way that you can tangibly find a way to honor your experience and your lost baby, I highly recommend doing that, whether it's planting a plant or a tree or writing your baby a letter or journaling about your experience or somehow bringing this into a a tangible manner. Um, I think it can be really, really healing. When I was in therapy after having Silas and processing that whole trauma, she, my therapist had me do some exercises like that. And it was like really, 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 really helpful as like silly and weird as it can feel in that moment. It can be a little uncomfortable and you don't have to tell anybody that you do it, but I promise you it'll, it'll make you feel a whole lot lighter as well. So again, thank you so much for listening and for being here. We hope this episode was helpful for you. As always, feel free to reach out to me directly, either via Instagram direct message or feel free to join our Facebook community group. And both of those things will be linked below in the show notes. And as always, if you've been enjoying this podcast in general, it would mean so much to us and help us share these stories with more women around the world. If you would leave us a five-star rating and write a quick little review, it might take you all of 60 seconds to scroll down on Apple Podcasts and leave a quick note. It will literally make me smile all day. We might even post it on our Instagram. And again, thank you so much for listening. We will chat with you next week, Mama. Bye.